Welcome to the Silver Screen Podcast. I'm Jared Boomer. And I'm Katie Ganey. This is a podcast about movies and pop culture. And Katie, how are you today? I am so hot, Jared, and I don't mean good looking. I mean, it is hot in the Midwest. It is. It's hot in Indiana. It's hot in Ohio. It's like 95 today, one of the hottest days of the summer. So very fitting that we're in the summer movie season, though. And because of that, we're talking about Spider-Man Far From Home, episode number 13 of the Silver Screen Podcast. So very excited to talk about that movie here in just a little bit. And thanks to you if you've been uh, subscribed to the podcast on wherever you listen to podcasts and rated it. That really helps us out following us on social media, too. So that's great. We've been going on a lot of positive responses. So thanks for listening. And be sure to let us know, too, if you have any feedback, positive or negative we, we take it because it helps us out. So if you have anything you want to mention about the episode, don't be shy to say that. Now, if you say uh, Jared's not a very good host, you should find somebody else. That might be a little offensive, but yeah, just listen to another podcast. My goodness. Yeah. If you don't like the host, then there's there's plenty of other movie review podcasts out there <laughs> other yeah, than but us. Tell your friends and family to listen to this one. Yes, exactly. So <laughs> Spider-Man Far From Home is our episode today. And before we get into Spider-Man Far From Home, I just wanted to ask you real quick, Katie. So Avengers Endgame, it's been out for a while now. They re-released it a couple weeks ago with like ex- a couple extended scenes and a little tribute to San Lee. And I think there was an extended preview of Spider-Man on the beginning of it, something like that. But they were trying to beat the overall box office for Avatar because it's been it's in second place and, and it's still in second place right now. Avatar's number one with $2.788 billion and Avengers Endgame is in second with $2.773 billion. So I don't know if it'll beat it or not, but how do you how do you feel about Avatar maybe still being the highest grossing movie of all time, uh, even after all this Avengers Endgame push? Well, I'm glad you asked because I feel like I'm always so positive about the films we see, so I'm glad <laughs> to say something negative. I am just not a James Cameron fan. I'm actually pretty disappointed that Avatar is, it looks like it's going to win at this point because I really enjoyed Avengers Endgame and I also think it's time for a new movie to be, you know, the the king, I guess, or queen. And I don't know, I just, Avatar was good, but, um, you know, you and I were having a good discussion earlier with uh, your friend Kristen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Kristen she's Belts, g- yep. Yes, and she's going to guest host with us sometime, so look forward to that. But we were talking to her, and she brought up a really good point that it was kind of like an important movie to make at the time, and there was a lot of hullabaloo around it. But I think just now that doesn't really carry over, and I think she's totally right. It's just, it, it was cool at the time. We don't need five more. I'm still, I was never into it. I'm over it. And I also, I really did, <laughs> I I said earlier to you, Jared, that I'm not good with like sci-fi, but this movie, I definitely didn't catch what was going on in Avatar, but I definitely caught on that it was like a lot of ripoffs from Pocahontas. And I know that's not, <laughs> I know that's not what they were trying to do, but that's how I saw it, especially someone who isn't very good with sci-fi stuff. So I don't know. I just don't think we need five more. And I'm, I'm disappointed, quite frankly, that James Cameron is still the winner. And I don't think he's ever going to listen to the podcast. So I feel free saying that. Probably not. He doesn't seem like one to take anybody's advice on anything. So, right. um, And he has the third highest grossing movie of all time with Titanic and the first still with Avatar. It's interesting, though, because um, uh, Disney owns 20th Century Fox now. So technically, Avatar is now a Disney movie, even though it was released under the Fox, you know, studio when it came out. So basically, they're just going against themselves for the highest grossing movie of all time. So 
But unfortunately, as you said, right. Avengers Endgame won't take that top spot. I think it's a better movie than Avatar. Avatar, like you said, was such a spectacle with the 3D and IMAX and all of that was really popular then. And I think that's why it got so big box office numbers. And I mean, IMAX tickets cost more than regular tickets. And a lot of people wanted to see it in IMAX because that was how you kind of had to see it for to get right. the full effect. So I think because of that, all that stuff um, combined, it just really led it to be the highest grossing movie of all time. And I think if you ask somebody that doesn't follow movies very well, what the highest grossing movie of all time was, they probably would not say Avatar. That would probably not be their first guess. No, that it is the I most gr- highest grossing movie. <laughs> no, and I'm kind of I've, I'm kind of weird because I keep thinking, isn't it Gone with the Wind? And then I'm just like, oh, wait, no. But I think I kind of think Gone with the Wind has a record if if you didn't account for inflation or if you did account for inflation. Yeah, adjusted, for, adjusted for inflation, Gone yeah. with the Wind is still the highest grossing movie of all time. That's right, it is. If you adjust for inflation, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Jared, did you also hear, just speaking of this Avatar news that you've dropped on me, did you also hear this week, this is a Netflix bombshell, that Friends is going to go away in 2020? I did. Friends is leaving Netflix for an HBO Max streaming service. So very sad. Um, It is sad. But I own every single episode. If people want to come over and watch it, you just (laughs) tweet at me and... I'll probably not, viewing party. Com- probably not some complete strangers, but I'm just letting everybody know that I'm up on the news as well. And Friends is my favorite show. And I'm very sad it'll be leaving Netflix. That is sad because now we have Friends leaving and The Office, which I love The Office. So that, But I have Gracious. like you, I have all of the box sets of The Office, so I can always watch them on DVD if I want to. But yeah. it's just so easy to just turn on Netflix and it's right there. I mean, that extra step of going to my bookshelf, <laughs> finding the DVD and putting it Opening in. Opening the box. so much work you know i could what? already be 30 seconds into the office <laughs> yes you know if they if they're getting rid of those shows though i bet they're going to replace them with two really good shows probably and i talked about this on like my radio show today too as far as like will you cancel netflix because it won't have friends in the office and most people said they'd still keep it a few were like yeah i'll probably cancel it or one guy was like um you know i watched the new season of stranger things so when that comes around again i'll you know sign up again because that's one of the you know few things i watch on netflix other than the office and friends so i was like that kind of makes sense so it might turn into one of those things i can't believe people will cancel their subscription just because of those two shows. I know. Netflix has so much stuff, not only their own content, but yeah. other content as well. I mean, there's so much stuff to watch on Netflix and it's all for 13 bucks a month. I don't know why you would cancel. There's so much on there. Although, although to be fair, I do use my brother's account, <laughs> and, <laughs> but I pay for my Hulu and HBO. And the password but, is games right, are the, the best too. <laughs> so just, you can log in with that. How did you know? Um, but I do think I, I also have to recognize that I'm really into new shows and I really like being current. So I can't imagine getting rid of these subscription services where I don't know what's going on. Like I already don't have Amazon Prime and everyone talks about Marvelous Miss Maisel and Fleabag. And I'm like, Ugh, I just need to get these subscriptions to these channels and things so I can watch them. So yeah, I like I, to be really in the know. Yeah, I don't have Prime either, but I have Netflix and Hulu and I use those pretty frequently so i mean who has handmaid's tale and they have all the other stuff on there from the other tv networks as of right now and then netflix i love stranger things i love um glow i love nailed it so although i mean that's like four or five shows probably that i'm big fans of on netflix that i would keep just to watch those shows so yeah yeah 
And then you come and watch the occasional, you know, movie that they have on there or whatever, because sometimes their original movies are pretty good or we might talk about them on the show. So I don't see myself ever canceling my Netflix subscription unless it gets to be outrageous, like $40 a month or something. But oh, I did see. Sorry, I did not mean to cut you off. Um, Oh, you're good. I did see that they have Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. So I'm going to watch that. They do. Yes. I haven't seen that yet. So I'm going to watch that probably in the next week or so. It is on Netflix until it will move to um, Disney streaming service when they launch that later this year. So Disney Plus will be another one that all that Marvel stuff that you watch on Netflix and any Disney, like all those Disney animated movies are on there like Mulan and Hercules and all that's on there. That'll all be on Disney Plus. So you'll just have to move over to Disney Plus if you want to watch any of those. But I think that's only going to cost seven or eight bucks a month to start. So pretty smart with their price point there as far as what they're doing for for Disney Plus. So yeah, got to make money. Yep. Which I'll probably get it because I like Disney movies and I'll probably want to watch them. So mm-hmm. sign me up, Disney Plus. You have my money. So Just take my money, everyone. Take my money. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, <laughs> I don't know how we transitioned from. <laughs> it was from, my fault. I wanted to let you know that Friends was leaving Netflix. Yeah, I saw that. That was a big news story today. So well, I feel like that's just, fair. Yeah, we just like to keep people up on it. Also, there were a lot of sad Hollywood deaths this week. Rip Torn. Um, well, I guess Ross Perot was not a Hollywood person. So <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying, but I was sad to see that Rip Torn died yesterday. But he had a, a good long life and yes. he was, I remember him most. I know he was in a lot of classic films, but I remember him most from Men in Black. Yes, he was great yeah. in that. So, and one final thing US uh, women's national soccer team won the world championship since our last That's episode. Right. So, that congratulations right. to them. Way to go, ladies. Megan and I Rapino, am not upset. If you ever want to come yes. on the show, feel free. All the people that are in a tizzy about this, I'm like, calm down. I am so happy for them. I mean, if we get a victory in the U.S., isn't it a victory for all of us? Yes. A victory for the U.S. women's soccer team is a victory for the United States as a whole, as a country. You go, ladies. Let's make soccer cool again. Nice job, ladies. Way to get that world championship. Back-to-back world championships. And they had their ticker tape parade uh, today when we're recording this. It's Wednesday, the 10th. So they had their, their ticker tape parade earlier today in New York, which is very cool. So... Congrats to them on their world championship. And uh, that's kind of all the sports that's going on right now. And we probably won't talk about sports too much because Katie's not a, I mean, you watch sports, but it's not like I enjoy them, but it's not like I could give you the play by play. (laughs) um, If that's what you're inferring. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you watch a decent amount of NFL football and college basketball. So when -hmm. those start up again, we may mention them. But the World Cup was such a big thing. So just wanted to give a shout out to the United States women's national team. Congrats. Yes ladies. And with that, we'll move into Spider-Man Far From Home. You know, the United States women's national team probably hasn't seen a movie in a while since they've been over in France playing uh, no, in the World Cup for a month. Weekend. Yeah, they'll probably get caught yeah, up on some stuff. go see Spider-Man. Yes. So we're, we're going to talk about that now. Um, it is a great movie released on July 2nd of 2019, rated PG-13 as just about all the Marvel movies are except for Deadpool. Um, it's two hours and nine minutes. It's grossed $211 million at the box office so far, $603 million worldwide. So it's probably definitely going to get over a billion dollars, which is crazy. Um, and also, it is uh, opening weekend. It did $92 million. So really solid opening and also a better opening than they were expecting for Spider-Man Far From Home, which is which is interesting. I mean, that's insane that that is that's a low or um, an impressive number or more than you you thought. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if I had if I had 92 million or 195 million, well, I don't think I'd worry about anything ever again. No, it is also the 153rd highest grossing movie of all time right now. Great job, And it's job, only guys. been out for eight days. 
Mm-hmm. You want to know what it's right behind? Tell me, please. I'd love um, to know. Certainly. Uh, Madagascar uh, escaped to Africa. I have to say of all the movies you could have named in this world, that wasn't what I saw coming. <laughs> it has beaten Casino Royale already. It beat that. And now it's trying to pass Madagascar Escape to Africa. <laughs> and it has uh, Life of Pi coming up, Mamma Mia, Passion of the Christ, Ratatouille, and Logan are some of the next ones it, it needs to beat. So okay. I it'll think just it can. keep cruising. Yeah, it'll, it'll get up there. So very high grossing movie so far. Um, IMDb 8.1 out of 10. Um, also Rotten Tomatoes, 90% on the tomato meter, 96% audience score out of 39,000 reviews. So very impressive audience score and critic score. Critics and audiences both like this movie, which is pretty typical of Marvel movies. And the synopsis is following the events of Avengers Endgame. Spider-Man must step up to take on new threats in a world that has changed forever. And it's directed by John Watts, who also directed Spider-Man Homecoming. So good to see him back again. I think with Spider-Man Homecoming, too, he he set such a great tone for that movie in terms of how funny it was, but also like what was at stake and introducing Spider-Man and the whole Iron Man dynamic in that one, too. So I'm glad that they brought him. Marvel brought him back to do this one again because he kind of knows that world very well and how he wants to direct just the Spider-Man movies. You know, I wasn't familiar with his work. I'm glad that you knew that. But you're absolutely right. He did such a good job with the first one that I definitely trusted him with the second one. And he set a really good tone, both with humor, but also telling just a really having a really well told story. Yes. So we'll get into the cast now for this one. First up, we have our boy, Tom Holland, plays Peter Parker, also Spider-Man. He is, um, if you haven't seen him a lot recently, you're going to see him a lot in the very near future, especially next year. He has six films that are supposed to come out next year. So he is in everything. After that first Spider-Man movie, every movie movie company was like, we want you to be in our movies. And he's like, sure, guys, I'm 22 and I would love to make some money. (laughs) I know. Jared, first of all, 22. That's within 10 years of my age. So we can still date. Also. I looked at how many films he had in 2019. So this year, four films coming out. And in 2020, he has six films slated to be released that year. Which is crazy. He's also 23 now. So he had a birthday in June. So (gasps) we're even closer. Apologies, Tom. Apologies, Tom. So (laughs) also, yes, Tom Holland is great. I would probably share the clip. Well, if you actually go back and watch it, it's on our Facebook page. The clip of Tom Hanks giving Tom Holland acting lessons from a few weeks ago. We put that up for the Toy Story episode. It's still up there if you want to watch it. But Tom Holland is just great. He's he's funny and he's great as Spider-Man. So but yes, he has a lot of stuff coming out, including Spies in Disguise, The Voyage of Dr. Doolittle, The Devil All the Time, Chaos Walking, Onward, Uncharted and Cherry. Those are all the upcoming Tom Holland projects. And a lot of them, some of them are animated kids movies. So that's an interesting direction. Some of them are, one of them's a World War II kind of related movie. That's the devil all the time. Um, Uncharted is based on a video game. Chaos Walking, Daisy Ridley's in that. And it's a movie about there are no women and all living creatures can hear each other's thoughts in a stream of images, words, and sounds called noise. So that's interesting. And then he has Cherry coming out in 2022, which is directed by the Russo brothers who did Endgame. And it's an army medic suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, becomes a serial bank robber um, after an addiction to drugs puts him in debt. So that's one sounds very interesting, too. Oof. So he has a wide it variety, does. wide variety of projects, though, from kids movies to more serious stuff. So good on you, Tom Holland. 
get that money. So also, sorry, I paused on the reading the description for that one. There, a giant Lion King advertisement just came over the screen, reminding me that Lion King is coming out soon, as if I didn't already know that. <laughs> oh my gosh, I had no idea. There's a yeah, movie well, they're remaking out. the Lion King. Did you did you know that it comes out next week? I apparently, did. so my goodness, it crazy. has been filling my feed because of everyone's fabulous outfits at the premiere last night, and Chance the Rapper was there, and I love Chance the Rapper. <laughs> And like everyone and their mom was there, Mario Lopez and his like wife just had their third baby like two days ago or something. And I was like, Mario, go be with your wife. But either way, the premiere looked amazing. And I'm really Jared. I like I'm a little embarrassed. I wasn't more excited prior to this because I'm getting really pumped. I already bought my tickets today. I cannot wait. That's going to be our next movie we review is The Lion King. So get ready. It's going to be exciting. So that's Tom Holland, though, who's not in Lion King, but is in Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, next up, we have Zendaya, who was on Disney Channel's Shake It Up and also starred in The Greatest Showman. She also has made music as well um, as an artist, and she's uh, currently starring in the HBO series Euphoria, and she's going to be in the upcoming remake of the movie Dune, which is scheduled to come out in 2020. So she plays MJ in this movie, and I thought she did a good job as MJ. She kind of plays it differently than some other people have played it, but I thought I thought she was good. Yeah, I completely agree. I remember um, this was another thing we had talked to Kristen about and we were kind of ranking like, oh, who did you like the best as MJ? I think we all really like uh, Zendaya. I also did like Kirsten Dunst um, in the Tobey Maguire films, but I think Zendaya has a really cool, edgy take on it. And she also got to be really helpful in this film, which I enjoyed. And she's just she is so beautiful. I love to they barely had to put makeup or anything on her because she is naturally just stunning. So I love her. And I think she had more to do in this movie, too, than in the regular first Spider-Man. They really played her character up more in this one, which was good to see. So I like that they kind of gave her more more screen time in this. So uh, next up, we have Jake Gyllenhaal, who plays Quentin Beck and also Mysterio. He's been in a ton of stuff, including Donnie Darko, Brokeback Mountain, Prisoners, Nightcrawler and Zodiac. Nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor when he was in Brokeback Mountain with Heath Ledger, which I have actually not seen. I'm a big Jake Gyllenhaal fan, but I have not seen Brokeback Mountain. I probably should. That's that's on my list. So Jared, I wish you could see my face right now because it is disappointed. So sorry. I've seen all these other ones on this list that you that you put on our rundown. Donnie Darko, Wall Creepy is Me a too. pretty good movie. Prisoners is great with Hugh Jackman. Nightcrawlers I own that. Yes. And then I own Zodiac too. So I Listen, love Listen, I've watched of those. Zodiac so many times. Can also we forgot Jake Gyllenhaal. Can we take a moment? <laughs> I just love Jake. I love him in everything. And I think he is so good at he's able to play a good guy and a villain. I never know which one he's going to be, but he is so lovable and so talented. And I was surprised he hadn't been in a Marvel film yet. Well, I guess I wasn't surprised because he he does seem to be talented and respected enough that he's able to pick the projects he wants to be in. I actually think he's probably one of the most particular people like that. That's very choosy, but I love that he did decide to be in this and they thought of him of all people. I think he did an excellent job. Yeah, he was great in this. So, um, and he's 38 years old. So definitely in your age range for sure. Yes. Hello. So, uh, he's got some movies down the pipeline too. One called the division, which is going to be a sci-fi movie that he's in with Jessica Chastain. So interested to see that. Um, he's also in the movie Rio, not the one about the birds, but a movie about Rio de Janeiro. (laughs) Right. Um, and Benedict Cumberbatch and Michelle Williams are in that one. So that's probably going to be that sounds really interesting a financial reporter travels to rio de janeiro to visit a wealthy friend only to get sucked into a plot to fake his friend's death so if that's written well that could be a really interesting 
movie. And then he's also going to be in Finest Kind with Zendaya and Ansel Elgort. Oh my gosh! Um, two brothers are pulled into a deal with an organized crime syndicate in Boston. So that'll be kind of a gritty crime thriller. But Well, and also, I was going to say, he if he reunites with Michelle Williams, they were in Brokeback Mountain together, but they were yes. not um, lovers in it. Well, obviously, Heath and Jake were lovers in it, but um, Heath was married to her character in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would highly recommend Brokeback Mountain if you ever get the chance. It's not something I would watch over and over. It's much too sad. Um, but it didn't bother me. There was nothing about it that made me super uncomfortable or anything. Yeah. I, th- I think it's great. It's worth a watch at least once. That's what I'll I will say. probably do that. So, and I love the type of yeah. movies that Jake Gyllenhaal is in. He picks these movies that, like you said, he's very particular. So he picks really interesting stories and more so of like the thriller type movies, which I'm a big fan of thrillers. I think that a good thriller is like a rarity nowadays. That's, and that's different from horror too. I mean, a thriller is more like could be real life or a little more, not as like scary with the jump scares and stuff, but more psychological. So I really enjoy the type of movies that he's in though he's kind Definitely. of a lot in a lot of those and he does his roles in those very well so he was great in this as Mysterio so and I guess spoiler alert right now for Spider-Man Far From Home so if you haven't seen it go see it and then come back and listen to it once you've seen the episode but um, I thought it was interesting too how in the first half of the movie he plays the nice guy and then about halfway through the movie he turns and he's the villain which Whoa. I know. Did you see that coming? Because no, I felt so dumb. I never catch. Well, it depends. I did I not kind of saw it, it coming time. because you and Allison, my girlfriend, freaked out, and I was just. I think I me and your boyfriend Arjun were just sitting there, like, yeah, that was. We were kind of expecting that. I know. No, I turned. Okay, so first I turned to him, and I was like, oh no, oh no. But I didn't catch it until right when it started happening. Okay, like, I wasn't smart enough to figure it out earlier. But the I way was they do so it is upset. smart too. Yeah, That's, I know we're not on our dislikes yet, and it was very hard for me to pick dislikes super hard but one of my main complaints is that he was a villain because i was hoping he would continue on in the marvel series and it doesn't look like that's going to happen so that was really upsetting he did a great job but i have to say i i didn't see it coming i don't know i'm not sure why i didn't think he was overly nice i thought he was like just a good guy so i just i i completely missed that yeah yeah, I um I really enjoyed him as Mysterio, though. And as we get into our likes and dislikes, I'm going to talk about him a little bit more. So that's Jake. Next up, we have Tony Revolori, who plays Flash Thompson. He's the guy that is basically live streaming their entire trip. So there's one um, in every class. Yep, that's his role in this one. And he's the rich kid, too. And like just makes jokes to Tom Holland, although Tom Holland has some good one liners back at him. So I did enjoy that. How he just kind of sasses him right back. But he was also in the Grand Budapest Hotel. He played Zero, so which I think was in my top ten favorite movies list, or maybe just on the outside. I think it was. So. And I, I was so excited. I remember I didn't even mean to like. I don't think I bothered anybody else in the movie, but I remember being like, Jared, Jared, I think it's Zero. So I was. Yeah, glad I that remembered I, his I face, I but I right. couldn't remember what I had seen him in, and that's what yeah. it was. So he's he's filled out a bit. I don't mean that in a bad way. He just looks like he's aged. Like he looks like he's grown up a little since that role. Which makes sense because Grand right. Budapest Hotel came out in um, 2014 Third, and 14, it's 2019 okay. now. So he's had five years. So even if it was 15 and he's 20 now, I mean, that's still a big, you your body changes a lot in that time. So, but he's great. If you haven't seen Grand Budapest Hotel, watch Grand Budapest Hotel. Great movie. So, Oh, Jared, one thing I forgot to tell you. Um, well, I might as well say about the girl, one of the, another, oh, she was our next lady um, in Gory Rice. She plays Betty Brant. I forgot to tell you. So she's like the cute, the cute girl that's like, she's kind of 
well, she's quite preppy and she's blonde. She was in Spider-Man Homecoming, but she's in this one. So she, at the very beginning, is doing the news and they talk about the blip, which is where everybody disappeared for a while. I was totally that girl in high school and middle school and was on the news channel and loved it. I didn't wear pearls and like have my hair like that with preppy sweaters and stuff, but I just laughed at the beginning because I was like, oh my gosh, it's like watching me. I, I forgot about that part of the beginning, the newscast. I was laughing yeah. so hard at that. It was very, it was very much, <laughs> they totally got exactly right how a high school newscast would be as far as the awkwardness of it the weird camera cuts all that stuff so and i tried to oh sorry i was gonna say i tried to look to see if she was in anything else coming up and they didn't have anything listed on imdb or anything but Hmm, she was in an episode of black mirror so if some if anybody's Uh. into that show she is in at least one of those Good to know. Yeah, she doesn't have any upcoming projects. I mean, she's been in some good stuff so far. Like she's in the Nice Guys and um, the Beguiled, Beguiled, however you say that that movie. Beguiled. That was, oh yeah. Um, it's Nicole Kidman was in that and Kirsten yep. Dunst and Elf. I didn't see that, but I uh, didn't see that, but I saw the Nice Guys. Pretty good reviews. So yeah, but interested to see what she does, kind of upcoming in her career. So yeah. and she's only eighteen, so she has a long time. Uh, yeah. Next up, we have Remy High, who plays uh, Brad Davis. So he's in this movie, too. He kind of plays, uh, he was in Crazy Rich Asians, too. You might remember him from that. But Love, love he's, that movie. He's uh, kind of uh, the bully of this group of high school friends. So he definitely. I know. I did not see that coming. No, me neither. He, he acts like he's a nice guy at first, but then he turns later. Yeah, I thought he was going to be really, I actually thought he was going to be someone that I, I was having a, because he, he has a crush on Zendaya's character, MJ. And I thought I was going to have a hard time figuring out who she should be with just because he was so likable. But then he he turned hard really quick. Like it it was just he turned on a dime. Yeah, he was he was not great. So no. uh, next up, we have Martin Starr and J.B. Smoove, uh, who play the teachers in this movie. Some of my favorite characters. Uh, Martin Starr definitely plays the teacher that's like, always single and he's still single and looking for love and then jb smooth is like uh just the really wacky teacher that you know um like all this stuff that's happening on their vacation and this trip he's just blaming it on witches which is a funny uh kind of running joke throughout the movie he's like the witches are doing this it's all about the witches and uh, martin star is like trying to organize this whole thing but is not doing well at keeping all these kids together and keeping them all in line on this trip and so i thought the two of them were very funny together um and they had good chemistry with each other too and good chemistry with the kids in the movie too but they had some some great lines and really acted their characters well they did they were hysterical and i i know when we were talking to Kristen, um i brought this up but i was just if i had children and sent them somewhere especially over in europe or some other country I would not want them to be with these two gentlemen. They just seemed like inept and unprepared. They never noticed when Peter Parker was missing. They weren't doing head counts or room checks or anything. These kids were walking around in bathrobes, going in and out of each other's rooms, which I guess is fine. I know they're in high school, but I was like, this would never happen. So no, they, not but on they were high hysterical. No, and then Martin Starr's character for JB Smoove, I could not stop laughing at his witch comments and how he thought everything had to do with the witches. Um, but Martin Starr cracked me up because he was kind of that like nerdy loser who's on every trip. I mean, <laughs> not a loser. I'm sure we would get along, but he, you know, he just the way he dressed, and you could tell he'd never been married, never had kids before, and he had to take his camera everywhere, and then he knocked it in the water. I just felt so <laughs> bad for him, but he was so hysterical. 
that was funny. So, and actually, that did happen on my a spring term trip. I took through UND. We went with two professors, and we were all like getting on this the subway basically in France, and um, it was about to leave the station. And me and two other people were in the back of the group, and we missed that train, and we got on the next one, and we got off at where we thought the right station was, but it wasn't the right one. So one of our professors had to like come get us, and so they did actually lose us on our our, our college trip to France. So luckily oh, we were in. Wow. High- we were in high school or in college, so I mean it was a little bit easier to navigate, and we were just going to go back to the hotel if they didn't come find us. But um, very funny. That was a funny day in France, so I can wow. explain that more on another episode where we talk about <laughs> our international travels. But <laughs> that was that was a pretty funny time. Looking back on, it, I mean, in the moment it was a little stressful, but now looking back on it, it was just funny that we got lost from them and separated, and um, you know we were in France, kind of just hanging out. So. <laughs> Um, some other people in this movie that have been in past Marvel or Spider-Man movies include Marissa Tomei, John Favreau, Jacob Batalon, uh, Samuel Jackson, and Colby Smulders, who are all in previous Marvel movies. Also, have you ever watched How I Met Your Mother, Katie? Oh, of course. I okay. watched the whole thing. I I I wasn't as I'm, obsessed with it as people were, and yeah. I was I was super mad at the ending. Like I'm going through else. it right now on Hulu. I'm in the yeah. third season, so I've been watching a lot of Colby Smulders lately. Yeah, um, and How I Met Your Mother. She's adorable in it, but yeah. let me know what you think about the ending. Okay, I've heard the ending isn't great, and I've heard the earlier seasons are better than the later seasons. So yep. I'm on season That's three right now, and it's yeah. it's pretty funny. But I can probably see in season five or six that I may stop. We'll see and just skip well, to the end will, and see what happens. <laughs> I feel like Neil Patrick Harris made the show though. He was yeah. the star to me. So he, he was, was he was worth it, but I would not go back and watch it all. He was again. great. And Jason Siegel's obviously good in it too. So I like he is, S- he is. Siegel. But um Ted, the guy who plays Ted, hasn't really been in anything. So that's how I met no, your mother. He he was in like a I think I I the name escapes me, but I do think he was in a film with Olivia Wilde that was more of like an independent film. Okay. But yeah, he just I don't know, he doesn't do it for me. Not like Jake Gyllenhaal and Tom Holland. There you go. That's how I met your mother chat. So enjoy. Yeah. It's on Hulu. Probably won't be when this episode releases because right, now what that happens. we've said it, they're going to cancel it. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about some of our likes and dislikes in this film. Um, one of the likes that we both had is that J.K. Simmons shows up in a post credit scene and is very excited to see him because he was in the original Spider-Man movies with Tobey Maguire. So that was cool to see. Oh my gosh, that made my whole night. I loved the film. Like I was already film. I was already like riding high and having a great time. But I thought that that cameo at the end was such a surprise. And I remember I was really into the Tobey Maguire films. Um, but J.K. Simmons, I think that was the first thing I'd ever seen him act in. And then he did the insurance commercials and then Whiplash. But that was the first thing I remember vividly seeing him. So that was a fantastic cameo. Yeah, he was he was good in his little cameo role. And we'll talk about more what happens during that scene a little bit later on in this episode. So um, another thing that we both kind of liked is that they made more of the relationship or gave you more of a backstory on it between Happy and May. That's always kind of an interesting story um, and kind of interesting. That the two of them are dating and Tom Holland figures it out. This movie as Spider-Man, he had suspicions in the last one, but this one it really confirms it for him. But I thought that's kind of an interesting relationship. And obviously, Marissa Tomei is playing kind of um, Peter Parker's aunt and she's single and then Happy obviously hasn't really had any relationship stuff in any of the Marvel movies and was obviously kind of Spider or uh, Iron Man's right hand man now that he's gone he really has nobody so I thought it was interesting they brought those two concepts of like loss and kind of being single together and, and formed this relationship 
Yeah. Speaking of that, that definitely was one of my favorite parts. And what I think was so um, lovely about this film and the way the story was told was that they they gave everybody room to like grieve. Like it wasn't it was very believable that everybody was still recovering from the loss of Tony Stark and people had lost their friends and their heroes. And then the fact that Peter this whole time is trying to be he's caught between being a high schooler and a regular person and then also being like the next hero of the Marvel universe. And I thought they did a really good job with that. Like, of course a teenage boy is going to want to go after his crush MJ and tell her how he feels and go on this trip with his friends and be a regular high schooler and also be suspicious of his aunt and who she's dating and why. And then of course he's also grieving and dealing with that loss along with trying to figure out, Oh, I have to save the universe and Nick Fury's calling me and so on and so forth. So I thought they did an excellent job with the storytelling there. And it was all very believable to me. It was. It would definitely be something that would happen if Spider-Man, you know, if it was a high schooler and he was also a superhero. I think what Spider-Man deals with is a lot of the same things that a high schooler would deal with in that situation. So from a writing standpoint, that was really good. And I really enjoyed that aspect of it, too, especially you see that in uh, especially the scene where they fight the water elemental, the first one, him and Mysterio when they're still both good guys. Um, yes. But I thought that was really interesting because like um, his best friend is telling him, hey, you got to come on and, you know, come with us. Ned is like, you should come with us. And he's like, I got to stay here and save the world, basically, because Ned knows that he's Spider-Man. So that conflict kind of pops up there and it plays itself out throughout the rest of the movie, too. But I thought they handled that really well. So, yeah. And you mentioned um, when we were talking earlier, you had told me how much you like Ned. And I completely agree with you. Ned is such a good I don't even think he's a sidekick character. He's just such a good actual buddy for Spider-Man and Peter Parker. I think he's supportive of him. One of my favorite side storylines was that he fell in love with Betty from the class who also did the, <laughs> the news announcements and stuff. They were adorable. I know we want to talk about that, but he I just think Ned is a really sweet character. He's very lovable. He's very funny. And although he has his own things going on in his life, he is always loyal and a good friend to Peter. So that's a great, great little tidbit. Yes, he's a great he's a great character in these movies and him and Tom Holland have really good chemistry together. So their acting together works really well. But yeah, let's go ahead and talk about Betty and Ned, that kind of side relationship, <laughs> because that was hilarious. Um, them just calling each other babe and they're on the flight and they don't like they basically they have to sit next to each other because what I forget that what even happens. It's some really oh, he has weird an allergy. thing. They, he yes. wants to be by MJ and then yeah. Martin Starr's character, the teacher, hears that he has an allergy to perfume and there's an oh, old that's right. in yeah. front of him. And they're like, we got to move him. And then Martin Starr's like, no, we don't mess around with allergies. Anyway, I don't know why I remember it. This movie was so good. I don't know what it was about it, but I feel like I was like keyed into everything that was happening. It was very funny. So yeah, that was a good way to set up that plot line. And then um, they just are really inseparable throughout the rest of the movie. And then they break up at the end of it. Just a very classic summer fling or, uh, you know, yep. trip fling or whatever so thought that was very very funny the two of them played that really well so I like you was also pretty invested in this movie although we saw it really late like 945 on a Friday yeah, we did yeah. see it together so that was kind of cool but I'm normally in bed by like 9 p.m. so especially at the end of it I had trouble staying awake and it was losing my interest a little but I think that's just because I was tired not because it was a a bad movie at all. So, Oh, okay. I was going to make a joke about 9.45 PM is when I get up, but that's not true. 
<laughs> I have a day job just like you. <laughs> just I I do I've always been you know this. I'm definitely a night owl though. So, yes. So that wasn't any trouble for me. Plus, I had candy to keep me awake. Yes, I had some candy too. So it was a, we yes. made a whole day out of it. <laughs> I know so, it was such a fun time <laughs> to go see Spider-Man far from home. So yes. we already talked about some of the other side characters and how they were really funny. The teachers obviously are really funny. Bed, uh, Betty and Ned are really funny. So this has a lot of humor in it. And I think that's one thing that you see. I mean, you've watched all the Marvel movies now catching up for Endgame. But I would say that the Spider-Man movies, especially these newer ones with Tom Holland, have more. They take more of a lighter tone or have more humor in them than some of the other films in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They do. I actually think that might be what keeps me invested because I feel like there's a lot more action, a lot more witty dialogue. So I'm paying more attention. I don't I don't know if I'm articulating that well, but like some of the stories, if they get too sad or too dramatic, although I love drama, sometimes it kind of loses in, in this instance, like with superheroes and stuff, it kind of loses my interest a little bit. And this, I thought they did such a good job of balancing both of those things, like the real world problems and teenage boy problems versus I have to save the world now. And one other thing that I wanted to mention just in our likes before we really move on to our dislikes. Um, first off, I thought the directing and the acting was great in this. Directed very well um, by John Watts, who we've mentioned a couple times. And then all the acting in this is great, which we've kind of hit on. But I also thought the projection sequence when Spider-Man and Mysterio are fighting for the first time, and that's the scene that Spider-Man gets hit by the train in real life at the end, that that was very cool and like very well done. I was just like captivated during that entire sequence and kind of wish they had maybe done that more throughout the movie, uh, maybe a couple more times. They play off the projections thing again at the end, but I thought that was a very intriguing action sequence and a cool way to do like an action sequence or a fight scene between the villain and the main character. Yeah, that's a really good thing to point out, too. And I thought you would like it because in my mind, it reminded me of the movie Inception. But <laughs> I yeah, I just thought that was a really cool way to do that. And it it made me confused, which I think is what they were trying to do. Not confused where I didn't know what was happening. I was more just like, oh, I don't know where Mysterio is. I can't tell which one's Spider-Man. What's going on? Where are they? Because the location kind of changed. I agree with you. That was a really cool technique. How do you feel too about, and I am not familiar with the comics, so if you are, feel free to tweet at us at Podcast Silver. Or you can email us to silverscreenpodcast at gmail.com. But what did you think about Mysterio not really having any like superpowers as a villain? I mean, he can kind of fly, but that's in like his suit thing. But his real thing is that he just uses these drones and these projections to make these fake villains to really just impress people and try to get himself more fame and more power. What did you think about that? Can so is it okay? This is going into my dislike column. Yes. So is it okay to go there? Yeah. Let's move um, there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think because uh, it was hard for me. I I really had a very I probably the most difficult time picking things I didn't like about this. But this is a really good point to bring up because I thought the same thing. Like Mysterio, I I don't know. I don't quite know his motivation. I thought I did because at the beginning he made some dramatic thing about oh I lost my family to the elementals. And I thought, oh, that's so sad. He was married and he had kids. And I was thinking that was the whole story. And then we find out he's been lying the whole time or probably has. So I don't know his motivation. And you're right. It was more like magic 
and sleight of hand than it was actually having powers. And then another thing, speaking of which, is that, um, well, two things. I was upset that he was the villain. That was one. That was the top thing in my dislike column because I love Jake Gyllenhaal and I want to see him again, um, but I don't think we will. And then I also, um, when we were talking to Kristen, she brought up an excellent point about the costume. She talked about, she referred to it as a fishbowl on his head. Yeah. And I agree with her. I thought that seemed really out of place. And I'm not a costume expert by any means, but I also was like, what is going on? It didn't seem to fit with the rest of the costume. And I thought the costume was really well done. So that was just very confusing to me. Yeah, that was kind of um, a little distracting. And he does have like a helmet on and comic book images that I looked at. So that kind of makes sense. And they were probably trying to play to that and make it as accurate as possible. But the design of it is weird. And at times it looks like his head is just like floating in this helmet. So it is kind of distracting. Like earlier in the movie, when he's talking to Peter, he has it off most of the time. And then like later on in the in the fight sequences, he has it on and a little bit later on in the movie. So that is interesting. They may have realized that when they were filming and like, that looks weird. Let's not have him have it on when he's just doing a dialogue scene that it's, you know, not necessary for. So and then I think we, you and I had mixed feelings about this because you made some good points when we were talking earlier, but Nick Fury and uh, Maria Hill, right? That's who yes. Colby Smulders plays. I, um, Kobe, excuse me, not Colby. I keep saying it like Colby Jack Cheese and it's Kobe. Anyway, um, I, I think that um, it's not like they're not important, but I didn't think they needed quite as much screen time. And I think Nick Fury, uh, uh, not that, he should be more important because he's a man or whatever. But I think that his role is a little more important. So I don't even really know why Kobe Smulders had to be in it, I guess is what I'm saying. Like, and a lot of the scenes like Nick, you know, half the, like the first 20 minutes of the movie, he's trying to get a hold of Peter Parker just to get him to go help him with the task. And Peter's ignoring the call. But I felt like a lot of that could have been done with just like, we, we know he's calling and the call's being ignored. We, I felt like we didn't need to see them as much. And to me, that that was really the only thing I could harp on that I could think of like, oh, I, we didn't really need this in the film. But what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I thought that was, like you said, they pop up in a lot of Marvel movies, especially Nick Fury. And he's been in all three that have come out this year. Captain Marvel, he had a big part. And then Endgame and now Spider-Man and like you, I don't know. I don't love Samuel L. Jackson as an actor, so some of it may stem from that. I just think he plays the same role in just same. about every single movie that same. he's in. And it's just somebody that cusses a lot and yells and tries to make funny jokes, um, except maybe Pulp Fiction. That's kind of maybe the only thing that I do enjoy him in a little bit. But um, I just don't know. I don't know if it's super necessary to have him in all these movies. I get that he kind of moves things along like plot wise and he's like in an end credit scene in this, which sets up some stuff for the future. So that kind of is understandable. But overall as a whole, I don't know if we needed him as much as we got him in this movie, because like you said, when we cut back to them, it would just kind of almost like the momentum would stop for a little bit because Spider-Man would be doing something cool. And then it's like, Oh, we got to go check in on Nick Fury. And it's like, I don't really care what Nick Fury's doing. I know who he is. I just want, just show me more Tom Holland. <laughs> I completely agree. Let's have Tom Holland for just two hours straight <laughs> and then bring in a cameo by Tom Hanks. You know what I mean? <laughs> Tom Holland is just hanging out and then boom, it's Tom Hanks. And then Jake Gyllenhaal too. Yes. So Spider-Man Far From Home (laughs) featuring Woody from Toy Story. (laughs) So anyway, um, a few other dislikes I had um, in this movie is that I did like the second half of this movie better than the first. I thought the first half of this was just like a lot of setup 
and not a lot happened. And I was like, I don't know if we need that much setup considering this isn't the first movie in this with this new Spider-Man. I mean, that was Spider-Man Homecoming, so it makes sense in that one. But this one, I thought maybe we'd get into the action a little faster and kind of what was happening. But it really took until the second half for that to, to take, you know, to, to basically catch on because the first half, there's not really many action sequences or a ton of stuff happening. And I think I had that same complaint with Captain Marvel too, that it was just a little slow in the beginning, but I don't know if you thought this was slow at all early on. And I, the second half though, I really enjoyed it. I thought it really picked up. Honestly, I didn't feel that way, but I respect your opinion, but I will say I did think of another thing I didn't care for. I don't know if you felt this way, but the elementals as a villain, I didn't think they were great. I kind of thought it not like, Well, I kind of thought, like, are they running out of ideas? I couldn't tell if it was something that was in the comic books and that was, like, already a villain that was put in place by Stan Lee and so they knew who to use. But to me, they seemed like kind of a loser villain. Like, even Jake Gyllenhaal, although he didn't have superpowers, that was an interesting villain, at least. I felt like the elementals were just kind of a strange, you know, side side villain. Did you feel that? Yeah, I thought that was kind of weird. And they only use a couple of them, too. Um, so I guess you see like Magnum in the movie a little bit because they go to that whatever place Samuel Jackson and uh, Colby Smulders do and he kind of pops up there. But you have Hellfire, which is the fire one. Hydrin, which is the water. Magnum, which is the one that can do the rocks. And then Z- Zephyr, which is uh, female. She wasn't in this movie, but she can control wind, sky and air. So that's kind of their roles. But I thought that was weird. And also the fact that the elementals weren't real. They were fake. They were just projections that Jake Joe and Hall had made. So that was also kind of just like, yeah, it was a little bit of a lame villain. And they weren't really, I mean, they destroyed the areas that they were in, but it was nothing like Thanos where he's like, oh, if I snap my fingers, uh, half the people in the world die. <laughs> so, yeah, I was going to say he would murder people. And <laughs> I know like the elementals could do that, but it was more, I don't know, it it wasn't a bad idea in theory because natural disasters happen. I mean, we just had 30 tornadoes in Ohio, but yeah, I don't know. I just felt like that was kind of, they didn't impress me if there was. No, if- and I think one reason they could have gone along with that too, is that for Jake Joe and Hall's whole thing of like getting people to notice him and that stuff to work, you need this like big thing happening that everybody would be looking at in an area. So I get kind of maybe playing at it from that point where it's like, Oh, if this fire thing was like destroying stuff, everybody around would be looking at it and would be looking at Mysterio. Whereas if it's a smaller villain or somebody that, doesn't affect as much it may not be as big on like a global scale of people actually watching it so i kind of get that too that they use that for just more for scale and like to get people to notice what was going on yeah so i think that's really all of our dislikes though i didn't really have a ton of dislikes with this movie yeah um i think it's very well made it's a fun superhero movie i get a little superhero fatigue at times i don't know if you do especially since endgame just came out a like a month or two ago and this will be the last Marvel movie for a while because what Kevin Feige will probably do is at um, Comic-Con which is coming up in a few weeks or at D23 Disney's big expo he will the rumors are that he's going to reveal the future timeline for Marvel movies in the next phase and he's the president of Marvel if you don't know so he's going to reveal some of those upcoming movies very soon but right now there's nothing slated for upcoming Marvel movies which I think will be kind of nice because I could use like a little break from all these superhero movies I don't know about you Oh, I definitely could, but that's partly <laughs> my own fault. But I, yeah, I, I think it can be a little too much at times. So I'm, I also, I'm always anxious for Oscar season. I love, I, I'm always going to choose the dramatic pieces and stuff. And I just really am drawn to that. But I really liked this film. I mean, it, I already had 
high expectations and rightly so, but I think this exceeded them. And I really enjoyed this. This would be in my top of the Marvel films for sure. Nice. Yeah, this this was great. So I guess we have just two more quick things to talk about before we give our grades. One of those is the end credit scene, which is a big spoiler if you haven't seen it. But basically what happens is there's a video that's shown in Times Square and they reveal that Peter Parker is Spider-Man and they show Tom Holland's face. So now everybody in the world knows that Tom Holland is is Spider-Man. So what did you think of them doing that at the end of this movie? Obviously that sets up implications for the MCU going forward. Could be beneficial for Tom Holland and Spider-Man could also hurt his character as well, depending on different things. It depends on if they use him as like a spokesperson for superhero stuff or whatever, now that he's well known, but that was very interesting. I thought to include that in an end credit scene because it definitely makes the writing and how you plan these things out down the road more difficult now that not just us as the audience, but everybody in the movie universe now knows who Tom Holland is and who Spider-Man is too. Right. I, I was shocked by that, but I, al- I also really like the direction they're going in. Cause I think a lot of those end sequences, it's kind of like someone dies or people disappear or mm-hmm. whatever, but it's, it's a good reminder that if people know your identity, that could be really detrimental to being able to be, you know, anonymous and save the world. So I think that's really going to be an interesting storyline and I'm anxious to see where they take it. Um, but I also knew, I mean, I knew they would do something cause these Marvel movies are probably not going to quit until long after I've left the earth. So yeah, they'll just keep cranking them out. So what did you think too of um, the other end credit scene, which is basically Kobe Smulders and um, Samuel Jackson, but then they are turned into aliens and it's revealed that they were just basically using I guess projections of themselves to be on earth. And the real Samuel Jackson was in space, Nick Fury with all these other aliens. what did you think of that? That was, I know they want to go more in a space theme because Captain Marvel was more spacey, but I thought that was, kind of weird. Um, this might be the most embarrassing thing I've ever admitted on the show. I didn't realize that's what was happening. Um, <laughs> that actually, well, because it was Ben Mendelsohn's voice. Yes, so I thought, yep. but I, I didn't get, I didn't understand what was going on. And I kept thinking like, what, this is so random. I think that was the only time in the movie I was really thrown and just had no idea what was going on. So I guess, I guess really all I thought was confusion. So I'm glad that you kind of cleared that up for me because it made no sense to me. Yeah, that was uh, it was kind of weird for me, too. I didn't totally understand it, but I think it relates back to Captain Marvel a little bit because the characters yeah. looked similar to the ones in that movie. So, well, I think it has to. But I thought this is so strange. It almost seemed reverse. Like this is the this is the last thing you'd want to leave us with before we saw Captain Marvel. Yeah. Not like the other way around. This, yeah. Yeah, so weird. I'm not I'm not sure where it's going with that, but I thought that was super weird and it was the only thing that really confused me about the the whole thing. Yeah, so that was kind of weird too. And if you can explain that to us, feel free to tweet at us or again, email us at silverscreenpodcast at gmail.com. If you're like, this is why they did that, then great. Then we'll clear it up on the next episode when we talk Lion King. So um, some more Marvel movies. That yeah, are, someone that please. Yeah, that haven't been officially announced yet, but are rumored and are kind of in the works. Just wanted to run these down real quick. So there's an untitled Black Widow movie coming, I guess, at some point with Scarlett Johansson. Obviously, she dies in Endgame, so this will have to be like a prequel of how she became Black Widow, pretty much. Um, there's a movie called The Eternals that is going to star uh, Angelina Jolie and Kumail Nanjiani. Based on the comics, um, there's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Doctor Strange 2, and Black Panther 2. Now, those haven't been confirmed by Marvel, but that's what rumors are saying is happening. And obviously, like I said, Kevin Feige will reveal in the next couple of weeks what the upcoming phases are of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But what are you kind of looking forward to with these movies 
going forward. I think they have to change kind of the tone of them or how they do them. And they've already done that a little bit with this Spider-Man and then Captain Marvel too. They're kind of changing up these. So they're not just so formulaic every single time, which I think is, is nice to get some new storylines and ideas in there. Jared, I think you're going to be shocked that out of the list you just named, the one I would most look forward to is the Black Widow origin story. Okay, that's not Black Panther 2, but because I know you really no, like that one. I but would Black like, Widow. Okay. That's up there. I would I would rather see Black Panther 2 than Guardians of the Galaxy 3 and the other ones you listed. But Black the Black Widow origin story would be the one I'd be most eager to see and I'm also still kind of sad that they killed her off. Yeah, and I'm assuming it would have to be an I mean, it could be a set in the current time, but I'm almost assuming it would have to be an origin story because yeah, she did I, die oh, in yeah, Endgame. I, so, I yeah. shouldn't have Yeah, I guess I shouldn't have assumed that, but yeah. So, and Marvel has released, so they've reserved nine release dates between 2020 and 2022, but they haven't revealed what any of those movies are going to be yet. So I think this, this is the is last Marvel movie to for me. this year. <laughs> I mean, it is just oh, crazy to me how far in advance they do things. It is, it almost sounds like elections. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, they've already you know got, how everybody I mean, knows. they've already got, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying, I just think it's, I, I'm just it blows my mind that they're like already have release date set and stuff reserved. That's just crazy. Yeah. Like everybody at Marvel knows what's coming out in their, you know, release date that they have set for whatever in July of 2022, but they haven't even revealed that to the general public yet. So it is crazy how they plan these things so far in advance, but I think they have to do that. And it's unique in that way because they have these, you know, six or seven movies at a time build up to these big, huge movies. Like this, this phase, it was Avengers and those four Avengers movies. So I think to accomplish that, you really have to plan out what you want to do before that, which is one thing that I enjoy from Marvel is that they do plan out their films very well. And they're not like all over the place and they really lead them up to a a storyline that has a culmination. So I think that's nice too. Um, and to do that, you really just have to plan it out well in advance, which is something that they they do pretty well. Agreed. They're doing well so far. Yeah. So you ready to uh, give your grade for Spider-Man Far From Home? I I am. Yes. Okay. You what want me to go first this time? Uh, uh, I'll go first this time. Why okay. Not? I like, I like might... that we're switching it up every once in a while. Yours might be a little higher, so we'll start with Probably. that. Probably. Maybe I'll change it last minute. Who the knows? lower one. So uh, Spider-Man Far From Home for me is going to be an 86 out of 100. So really enjoyed this movie. Um, just had a few little issues with it. Again, like I've said before, a movie has to be really, really good for me to give it 100. I gave Endgame a 95. That's my highest rated movie um, of this year so far. But uh, Spider-Man Far From Home is going to get an 86 out of 100 for me. Really solid superhero movie. Really like Tom Holland, where they take this movie, the direction they go with it, and definitely one of the the more fun Marvel movies that's come out recently. I think that is a completely fair score. I did do higher, but only because I'm starting to regret my score on Aladdin a little bit. (laughs) Only because I... You went real big with Aladdin. I did, because I think it was the nostalgia. Like, I just kept... I'm not disappointed in Aladdin. I just keep looking at, like, when I want to rate these movies that we've been seeing this year keep getting better and better. So I'm just kind of like, oh, why did I do that? But I am going to rate Spider-Man Far From Home a 93 Okay. And the reason I'm doing that is I did like it better than Aladdin and I gave that a 92. 
Um, and then I was just looking at, I, I definitely wouldn't give it not higher than a 93, but I thought, well, it's definitely one of my favorite things I've seen this year. And if I were to rank it, there's no way I could rank the Marvel movies and there's no way I could do it on the spot, but I would definitely rate it in the top, top, top tier. So I really enjoyed it. It gave me everything I needed. And I, I actually feel very invested in the Peter Parker Spider-Man story. Yeah, I really enjoy Tom Holland as Spider-Man and I'm interested to see kind of where they go with it from here. And the Spider-Man movies are always fun and um, have great rewatchability quality as well. And I really enjoy the Spider-Man Far From Home. And I think we both really liked this and definitely one of the better superhero movies um, that's come out recently. And probably, I mean, doesn't beat Endgame for either of us, at least not for me personally, because I liked that one more. But Spider-Man Far From Home is is great. So really enjoyed it. So um, if you want to listen to the podcast or follow us on social media, you can listen in just about anywhere you listen to podcasts from the Apple Podcasts app or in uh, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, um, Google Podcasts as well. Just search the Silver Screen Podcast and our little logo will pop up. Up, and then you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Podcast Silver and search for us on Facebook too. Just search the Silver Screen Podcast. And our next episode will be Lion King, which I think we're both really excited for. Remake of Lion King. They, as you said earlier, revealed the cast photo um, of everybody dressed in black. And Beyonce has a new song coming out very soon from the soundtrack for Lion King. I mean, obviously, she did some, some music for the film too. So I'm interested to see this Lion King movie coming out very soon. Me too. I can't wait. So I'm pumped. Yeah. Lion King will be our next episode of remake. Another Disney remake. We already did Aladdin and Lion King is coming up next. So we'll talk to you next time with Lion King. Until next time, we'd like to thank the Academy. 